0: Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. My guest today is a friend of mine that I've interviewed before on my podcast, Uh, Because he has an amazing career, he is an award-winning airborne cinematographer and he films all kinds of TV shows like The Deadliest Catch, Survivor, um, the World Series, the Super Bowl, you name it, he's filmed it if it's in the air, he's got an incredible career. Uh, But he's also a best-selling author and today he's going to share an incredible true story of crime. In a, that involves a location that I think that uh, most people would never even worry about. So a place that you would always think would be safe. And that's your child's school bus stop. So uh, he's going it's, to, it's featured in his newest book, What Lies Above the Clouds. So he's going to share this incredible story with us. Welcome, David Allen Arnold. Good boy,
1: Patty. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm so thrilled to be on your show again. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited to have you back on. And I know uh, your your second book, What Lies Above the Clouds, just came out. I know it's very different from the first book. And, in fact, uh, I, I just ordered it. So I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But I am so anxious myself, in fact, to kind of hear uh, a lot of the details as far as what, what could possibly happen, uh, mysterious and um, dangerous, uh, at a bus stop. So...
1: Well, let, going let's, on? Just, let's just say I have a gift for getting into trouble, <laughs> and uh, and I, I'm very honest in my first book, Help From Above. I, I talk a lot about the the situations that I stroll into that no thinking person would ever get involved with. Uh, I mean, in, in book one, I found a, a, a vicious, angry dog running in traffic, running in the streets, and I spent three hours trying to get a leash on this this horrible fur dragon <laughs> of a dog. And nobody would do that. Animal control wouldn't even waste time on, on a dog like this. And uh, and then I wasn't done there. I said, well, I, I can't keep a dog. You know, what am I going to do? So I, I bought the dog an RV. And... Uh, and so
0: you you bought the dog an RV. <laughs> I did
1: I bought the dog an RV and then I had to buy a pickup truck to pull the RV because my my car was too small to pull it. and so I did all of that and uh, and I mean these, these are things that no thinking person would ever even entertain doing. <laughs> and for me, it's normal and then the, the the problems that I have and the trouble I get into as a result of that are just ridiculous <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, so when, when uh, an organized crime ring took over the school bus stop in my little town, uh, I was, it, and I do talk about this in What Lies Above the Clouds, you know, I, I basically became surrounded by killers. And so these gangsters were roaming the streets. Um, when, I, when I first started to search for one of their victims who had disappeared, from their school bus stop location, I had to hide in the bushes around the school bus stop. So I'm I'm creeping around the school bus stop, looking through the woods to try and see if there were any clues to this person who had disappeared. And I had to, while I was doing that, I had to hide so that the gangsters wouldn't see me, because if they've murdered this guy, it's it's easier for them to murder me and get rid of me than to have to answer questions about it. So I had, to, I had to creep around the woods, around the school bus stop to try and find a clue of what happened to this person. And, and while all of that's going on, my house is a short distance away. And um, what's interesting is when, when these killers were roaming the woods, you know, murdering people, um, I had in this dog that I rescued from the streets of L.A., and I went through all of this trouble of buying a house, like a, a rolling house for this dog. I went through all that trouble, and and when the gangsters were surrounding me and and roaming through the woods and murdering people, I had this this most fierce protector that I could possibly imagine was this dog, who would chew through a wall <laughs> to get to me if she had to, and or she she would just you know she always especially through those years, this dog will always put herself between me and in the outside world. So if I'm if I'm sitting at this desk and my dog is here, the dog is always between me and the door, facing the door. Wow. Like a gargoyle. And well, that's that's how she was. So when, when I was dealing with this organized crime ring, that's that's how she protected me and, and my little one and my house. Um, she was just always on guard. Well and, what
0: uh, what uh, back up a little bit and mm-hmm. you know tell us about kind of what what precipitated you lurking around in the bushes for <laughs> around the, at the bus stop? What what happened that you were concerned about something, uh, you know, something really bad happening uh, well, at the bus well, stop? What,
1: well, that, that story is in the book. And um, basically, uh, I was out of work at the time. So I was just hanging around my house. And I, I love where I live. It's a very beautiful, spiritual mountain top realm uh my house sits on top of this mountain looking over the city of los angeles which is a mile below us and it's just this magical place it looks like something out of lord of the rings and uh cool and and so in this tiny town of 87 people one of my neighbors walked up to me i'm sitting at my house and he said dave there's some some weird going on in town and uh, I said, well, what is it? he said, no, oh, there's these scary looking guys hanging around the school bus stop. And I said, I literally said, in Sky Forest? I mean, what the hell?
0: <laughs> With 87 people?
1: <laughs> this, this, is the, this is the most, it, it, it was prior to that day, it was one of the safest towns in America. And, um, and so that was shocking. So I, I walked around the corner to the school bus stop. And sure enough, there was an army of tattooed thugs at the school bus stop. And and I'm doing a quick head count. I go, there's more people here than live in Sky Forest. And they're all scary looking. And uh, so I I asked the nearest gangster what kind of a business this was. Because it used to be a doctor's office. And uh, and it ain't a doctor's office now. And I I asked the nearest gangster. I said, "What, what kind of business is this? What are you guys doing here? And he he looks at me and and sizes me up and he goes, I can't tell you, it's a secret. And he keeps walking. So now I got an army of bad guys hanging around, smoking cigarettes, you know, yelling, profanity. Uh, I mean, it just looks like a violent – it looks like a prison yard. And – not four feet away, are small children standing there waiting for the elementary school bus.
0: So the so the bus stop it literally sits, um, you know, yards away from this what used to be a, a medical office or doctor's office.
1: Yeah, the school bus stop is at their building. So okay. it used to be a, a chiropractor's office, and he, he would, uh, the chiropractor would let the the kids sit in their parents' cars in his parking lot to wait for the bus during snowstorms. And it was a very friendly, you know, safe place. And now the chiropractor has been replaced by an army of bad guys that you would not want to meet in a dark alley. And there's no barrier between them and the children, none. The the gangsters are walking around the kids. And so I, I started to set my watch uh, because school buses come six times a day to that address and I would start to set my watch when the school buses were coming and especially if the kids were standing there waiting for a bus I would go and I would stand across the street and just watch them and make sure nothing bad happened to them. and that was the beginning of the story for me and your son was one of the kids at the bus stop no my son was was even more vulnerable than the kids at the school bus stop he he was uh, preschool age so he was even smaller and even you know more defenseless against an army of, of killers. So and, um,
0: so you were starting to suspect some, you know, something really bad's happening in the
1: community. So I what did I you, didn't know what what it was. I'm I'm the dumbest guy in town. Honestly, I I don't I, I I didn't know what I was dealing with. And so the only thing I knew was I had to do something. And and so right away I felt like well I I need to. Gather all of my neighbors, all of the people in town, and we've got to talk about this and what we can do So, because this has to get fixed. So so I called a first meeting of uh, my neighbors, and uh, um, other people in the room knew right away what kind of a business this was and who was involved with it and how this was going to end up. And my neighbors, I think, right away figured out that law enforcement was not enforcing the laws at this address. And that scared the crap out of them because I think they rightly figured out immediately. It's, it's kind of like me and this angry dog from my first book in the middle of traffic. Any thinking person would look at that situation and go, well, if I walk into traffic to get this dumb dog, the dog's going to get hit by a car. I'm going to get hit by a car and probably bit by this dog. <laughs> you know, Pe- people look at that stuff and they can right away figure out the risks involved with the situation. And so so I'm the only idiot that spend three hours trying to get this crazy dog out of the street. And I'm also the only idiot that would stand in front of these gangsters for five years and tell them politely, you don't do this here. And I don't care if you have the sheriffs behind you and you're murdering people and hiding the bodies. You, don't, you can do that anywhere else. You don't do it here. And so basically it was just a real simple, stubborn, stupid uh, uh, position for me to take of uh, I'm not going to have this. You know what? I, I, I have one life. So I'm not going to go through life and and wish that I had done something about this when I could have. And well, so— were
0: the, neighbor, what were, were the neighbors on board? Were they like, okay, oh, they yeah, let's— uh...
1: Well, they were 100% on board. Everyone knew right away that this was an illegal business and it had to be shut down, that the kids were in danger. Everyone knew it. However, uh, particularly as the sheriffs were covering up the crimes that we were witnessing at the school bus stop, it caused a fight-or-flight response from my neighbors because, like I said, they're the smart ones. So they, they knew immediately that when the bad guys were doing every form of crime that we have laws for and that the police were hiding it, and then eventually the media was hiding it too. Um, my neighbors knew right away that there was no, no one to protect them if they stood up to these guys. And so they didn't, they, within six months, I was the only one still speaking publicly about this garbage.
0: So you went to the, uh, obviously you went to the, uh, local police, you went to the That's media right. outlets, the, the That's right. TV stations, especially with yep. your connections and nothing. No, nobody no, well, wanted to touch it.
1: Well, what I found out was, I mean, this is classic organized crime. Um, I was on a big radio station in Los Angeles, uh, within the first three months of, of us finding out about this and at the end of this show one of the hosts of the show said Dave if you need a voice we're it you know they they recognized this was a tiny town with no influence and and so they were saying you know what we're we're a blowtorch station we will we will take a flame flame flamethrower to this problem for you to to help your your name you and your neighbors And after that, the producers of the show would not answer my phone calls or respond to emails. And that went on for five years. And we were on TV news. I got a CBS uh, affiliate to come up and and do a story on my town. Same thing. After the story, uh, uh, Channel 2 would never respond to my emails or answer my phone calls.
0: Well, did did um, they air the... um the footage or the interview with you?
1: They did, and that was it. Nothing after that. And I was very bitter about that for a while. Um, if I ever see those guys again, we're going to have a discussion of why that happened. Because everyone who saw this knew what it was. And they knew it was dangerous. And they knew that one of those kids might get murdered. And, but this is, uh, we live in a very corrupt world, as you know. Um there, there is for, for the love of money, there are things that people will do, or in this case, keep quiet about or hide from the general public so that no one knows what's going on so that more and more and more money can flow into it.
0: Well, were and, you able to find out, uh, sounds like it's been going on for the past five years,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, where in that time, were you able to find out exactly what? this, uh, this crime ring was up to what, or
1: drugs? I or did because what? Uh, the whole, the, throughout all this five years, uh, I would always just walk up to the, to the place and beat on their door. <laughs> and whoever came out, I would talk to them and ask them what they were doing in there. I don't
0: mean, know what would and, they, uh, they say.
1: Well, first of all, they were terrified that anyone had come asking questions. That's the, that's the first and one consistent thing I always got from those guys. Is two responses, either deer stuck in headlights, fear they would they would literally freeze. I'd, I'd beat on the door, somebody would, the door would swing open, and I would go, "Hey, my name's Dave Arnold. Who are you? What are you guys doing here?" And they would <laughs> I... literally freeze in front of me, and behind them were three or four other people also frozen, and and looking towards the door like, uh oh. Like they knew that what they were doing was illegal and they were terrified to say anything because, you know, it's, they would incriminate themselves and get in trouble. And the, the people who ran their illegal business might fire them. You know, I don't know. So. Um, so that that was the, the response I always got when I went there or, or I would get these these beefy gangsters that would charge out of the place like a heat seeking missile. Get out of here, and we're gonna kill you. And and uh, and so I would say, what's that? I can't hear you. Come closer. Come talk to me. And uh, I would say, good morning. I don't. I didn't catch your name. Come over here. I can't hear you. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know this would happen, but that scared them more than anything. Is I never. I never answered their hostility with hostility. I was always very polite and friendly. And and. Uh,
0: well they probably thought uh, you were nuts. They probably thought uh, you were like <laughs> literally this crazy well, I, guy.
1: I, I incur, well what I what I did for 5 years is I documented everything that I saw and heard and felt at this place. With with footage? Everything. I filmed it, I photographed it, I wrote down what happened. Um, I would if if someone would come across the street, if I could get them to come close enough, I'd get their business card. You know, I want to know their name. I want to know who they are. I want to know what they do. What's your what's your title? What is this business? And One guy and I went back and forth, one of their businesses was a hotel. Well, they had no hotel license, so this this hotel was operating fully illegally for five years. Uh, I I have a stack of government documents that say that this was an illegal, unlicensed, unpermitted business that the sheriff's captain, our highest official, said was run entirely by criminals. So when... When I would go there, I would document everything. So if you answered the door, I'd, I would want to know your name. And you would tell me your name. You'd say, oh, I'm Pitbull Patty, and I run this <laughs> radio show, and I have a real estate agency. <laughs> you know, Because uh, you want people to know more about you and what you do. But if you worked at an illegal business that is making over $100 million a year illegally, it would terrify you that someone was asking what your name was and who you are and what your role is in that business, which is exactly what I would do when I went there. And it terrified them. And so so even these, these fire-breathing gangsters that would come out of the place wanting to murder me, by my third question, they were always backing away from me. By my fourth question, they were always back inside their building. And I could see them pacing back and forth like angry bulls. Uh, on the phone, like they're just, you know, they going back and forth and they're gesturing and he's out there with his camera and, blah, blah, blah. and uh, <laughs> but, but they would go into the building where I couldn't hear them and do all of this. And, and that was, um, that was, you know, probably in hindsight, very revealing about exactly who they are and exactly what they were doing.
0: Well, and, you, um, you, uh, did you ever see any weapons? And also, did you, um, and he, and whether you did or you didn't, I would imagine then you would be very afraid for, you know, your life, your property, your son, your, you know, everything.
1: Well, you know, I, <laughs> at times like that, I have to let the smart people worry about what what's going to happen. Um, as far as my son goes... I took steps to protect him as best I could. And I think it's important for our children to learn from us, not the BS that we say, but what we do. And I think it's important for my son to learn all about this story of exactly what happened, what was done at the school bus stop that endangered the children, why they did it, and what it took. To, to stand up to them and fight back because my son's going to have situations like that in his life. He's going to be walking down the street and he'll see something like that and he'll have a choice to make. Do I, do I stop and get involved and help protect innocence or do I just keep walking and go and get what I want, you know, do what I want to do? Cause that's how most people reacted to this mm-hmm. was they, they immediately were outraged and spoke out. But the second that they found that there was a risk to themselves, they looked the other way and mm-hmm. kept going. And that happened time and again. So I, I, want, I want my son to learn from that experience you know, that, yes, it's dangerous, and yes, you can be harmed. However, you only have one life. Mm-hmm. So it's important, especially at a school bus stop. Where small children gather six times a day it's important to just do what I did put your foot down and say no, not here you guys can go be gangsters somewhere else you know I accept that's the way of the world you know the 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 brutality of of uh, of you know the human culture is what it is I'm not going to change that
0: mm-hmm
1: but you don't do that here at this spot.
0: Well, as, and I think that's, I, a, that's a really good point too, Dave. I mean, I, I, I love that. I think if, you know, like you said, if you, you know, even when it's, it's you know, that you have personal risk involved and, and can be very frightened like everybody else, you've got to stand up and, and by your actions, not just by saying it, you know, you're showing your son everything, how to be, you know, how to stand up for yourself so i that's that's fantastic. in fact, didn't you uh I know you there were some things that were really that you saw that were pretty um what's well, well, let me just ask you what's what's the worst thing that you saw or experienced as far as what they did in the town
1: well the the worst thing was that uh, people were disappearing from the school bus stop. People and, like children uh, were disappearing? we <clears> are <throat> talking about children? No, the, as far as I know, the, the kids all survived. Um, I, I did interview one of the dads from the school bus stop who said that one of the gangsters tried to run over his daughter with their van. And he's a smart guy. And uh, he... He said it was not a misunderstanding. He said this this gangbanger tried to hit his daughter with a van. And I, I document in detail those vans. I document in detail that one of those van drivers was on a most wanted list. <coughs> and um, so for this five-year period, people were disappearing from there at an illegal business for which there are no records. And one of their... Fronts, <clears throat> one of their facades was a hotel. So now I've got a hotel business that is completely off the books. As as one of the uh county regulators told me, Dave, we don't even have an occupancy permit for that business. And uh so now I've got people disappearing from this place, which is advertising nationwide for for people to come in and stay. And um my neighbors won't go near the place. They're terrified of the men in that building. And and the general public is just waltzing in, one after another. And um, so I reviewed them on Yelp. My review's still there. (laughs) It's in the book. (laughs) And because I couldn't get media to report on it. Like, the media knew. I watched them. Uh, I, I watched as the victims one time spent three hours explaining their experience of this hotel to a newspaper reporter. And then I read the article, and the newspaper reporter didn't print one word of the truth. The only thing that went into that newspaper story was what the crooked, corrupt politicians said about it, which were lies. And this reporter knew because this reporter had spoken for three hours to the parents of a young man who disappeared from that hotel, and none of it went into the story.
0: Was anybody who disappeared ever ever found? I mean, any... Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, any- we, we found one of the victims who had been uh, murdered and hidden behind the hotel for eight months.
0: <clears throat> so you, you found a body?
1: Yes. So um, basically, uh, this young man had disappeared from the school bus stop. And so uh, I wouldn't recommend this. But my approach to it was to ask the killers uh, what they had done with this guy who we knew had disappeared from the school bus stop. And um, they didn't come right out and tell us. (laughs) But I learned a lot through this. And I learned that sometimes when bad guys get away with murder, they feel kind of sick inside about it. And they – whatever bad element they have – their violent persona um, they also have a good element and that that good part of their spirit has to come out and and feel sick and and uh, um, out of balance if in this case if they get away with murder and no one ever comes after them and makes them pay for it and so that was how I learned a lot about uh, bad guys and you
0: and, uh, well first of all that's an interesting perspective I've never heard anybody say that before but I mean it makes Makes sense that even even the worst hardened criminals uh, be easy. It'd be probably with you since you were um, not being confrontational and you weren't oh, name what? calling. You were uh, you were very persistent, but
1: but still nice. Well, in, uh, in they- fact, I, I appealed to the, the good side of their nature. They I, I said, hey, I've I've got this kid's family here, you know, and I'm just trying to help them out. You know, can can you guys come and, and help me help them? Because even bad guys have parents, yeah okay yeah and whatever whatever wrong has transpired, whatever whatever evil has taken place, you know these guys these bad guys um, when they look at the parents of the victim, I think they can understand that that's just like their parents and so I was I was hoping that they would feel oh man I, if that was my mom or dad i I would want someone to help them. So I I was hoping that they would feel that way and, and want to come out and give us a hand.
0: And they, Um, so did they show you where the body was or you just, they just basically they did. They they let us,
1: yeah, they led us to the body. We found the body within four hours and he had been missing for eight months.
0: And how old was he? He was 21.
1: He was 21 years old. Oh my God. Wow. And he, he checked into the hotel and never checked out.
0: Wow. So, so um, this is all covered in the book.
1: Yep, it's all covered in the book, day by day. You get to see uh, the my experience of it, what I went through, you know, talking to my neighbors about it, and how I handled it, how they handled it, uh, which isn't easy, and uh, and it's still being handled. You know, that's that's uh, I think that's the important message of this book is that when when someone is making a hundred million dollars a year illegally, uh, at a school bus stop, you can look the other way, which is what everyone did, including the media, including law enforcement. You Can look the other way, or you can say, you know what, I'm, I don't want to live like that. You, you can have crime and corruption anywhere, but you know, just not here. I don't, I don't want you to have that here because children are standing uh, at this address six times a day. And, um, and so I, I've, I, hope that readers of the book will share the story. will talk about it. will call their congressmen and say, you know, please, you know, send law enforcement to fix this and to catch the people who allowed this to happen and to set things right.
0: So the, <clears throat> so the, re- there is no resolution I'm hearing that they're nope. still, they're still there.
1: In fact, the the kid that we found murdered, has ne- that murder's has never been investigated.
0: Wow. Wow. That's just, an, that's an incredible. Uh, I, so I know you're, you're working on a third book. Uh, are you, are you planning on writing whatever happens? Well, the third,
1: yeah, the third book will include whatever happens next. So. So really if,
0: it's up to people listening uh, to this podcast and, and yep. any other, uh, a media that you do—it's—it's it's up to people listening to call their congressmen and women and and really try to get this push to get this story yeah. uh, investigated.
1: It sounds like it, it starts very simply. It starts with just buy the book. Um, the ebook is eight dollars, eight ninety-five on Amazon. It's cheap. You can get it. Uh, the the paperback is eighteen ninety-five. This is not a lot of money. So just buy the book, read it, talk about it, share it, tell your friends about it. You know, spread the book around. And then, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that um, it's important to contact. Why we have congressmen is for stuff like this. Um, and uh, I will say on the positive side that the FBI asked to read book two before it came out. And I gave it to them and I gave them everything. I walked into the, the uh, FBI offices with a suitcase full of hard drives. And they about fell out of their chairs. They were flabbergasted with wow. what was in those hard drives.
0: Wow! So all the footage that you took,
1: everything, uh, all, uh, of my information, all your
0: information, everything you've documented, you gave to names, the FBI.
1: Names, addresses, social security numbers. So do
0: they tell you? Do they give you the um, you know the inside courtesy to tell you whether they are no. investigating? It?
1: No, they said that's we don't we're not going to ever tell you what we're doing. But oh, while something. I was there, they were they were assigning US attorneys to the case.
0: okay so so they maybe um, uh, sounds like they are uh, starting to investigate it.
1: I'm hopeful that that if enough people start to talk about what happened at this school bus stop that um, the FBI will get the resources that they need to to build a case against all the bad guys that, that either did this or allowed it to happen at a school bus stop for five years.
0: And this is Sky Forest, California.
1: Sky Forest California it's a tiny town in the mountains above Los Angeles
0: in fact isn't there a um, is it Sky Forest where there's like a winter Wonderland type place up there
1: like a Christmas there is we we have a, a Christmas theme Christmas theme park uh, that tourists from all over the world have been to uh, for for I think 50 years it, it's uh, the theme park is older than Disneyland and during this five-year period the corrupt officials in my area kept Santa's Village closed, and they kept this illegal business with killers at a school bus stop for the same period of time. They kept it open illegally.
0: Wow. So Santa's Village, which is that theme park, is no, is not, is that's not open anymore?
1: No, it did open. It opened, uh, I think, two years ago.
0: So it was closed for
1: like two or three years. The whole time I'm documenting this crime ring at the school bus stop, Santa's Village right next door is padlocked by county officials. Wow. No, nobody could go in there.
0: Wow. Sounds like, uh, yeah, you got a lot of wow. uh, really corrupt uh, politicians and maybe even some police where somebody's, uh, somebody's got to start following the money. And that's going to give you the, a lot un- of answers as to why nothing's been done about this.
1: It is unthinkably corrupt. And I absolutely believe that if, if we're going to live in a safe country, that this has to be found out and corrected. The people who did this garbage, the people who allowed it to happen for this length of time must be brought to justice. I well, believe that.
0: I, I think that um, I'm really happy to have you share your story and uh, I will do my best to promote it. And I hope everyone Thank listening will, will do their best to promote it because it sounds like a 21-year-old died with no investigation and it sounds like yeah. a, a crime ring that's allowed to go, um, you know, uh, unchecked. And unprosecuted in a town, you know, that's a, a beautiful place in California, up in the mountains. So uh, tell us how you can, how people can find find you and find more about your story.
1: Well, it's very easy. I'm on all, I'm on all social media. So if you look up David Allen Arnold, A-L-A-N, you'll find links to my Instagram, my Facebook, my Twitter, YouTube. And you can start to see what I do, who I am, uh, and some of what's in the books um and then the books are on amazon so if you search for my name david allen arnold or if you look for the title of book two which is what lies above the clouds uh you'll find it right away on amazon and uh and that's important uh because you and i were talking about different you know staffers that you know for different congressional office offices and i really believe that we're We're at any given time, we're 24 hours away from this story going nuclear ballistic because um, I really think they need to have congressional hearings about what happened at the school bus stop and really get into it of what happened and how and why this was allowed to happen at a gathering place for small children. And that could be as simple as you giving it to your your friend who works for a a, a congresswoman mhm it could yeah. be as, as simple as that and and then you know they read the story and react to it and and pass it around their office and people start to to become aware and then you know hopefully some people in powerful positions would say you know what let's let's take a look at this what what exactly went on at that school bus stop for 5 years in this tiny town
0: mhm well, I, uh, I hope that's what happens and that will give you, I, I hope then therefore there'll be a, um, a great ending for book three, uh, when this story, cause obviously this story is
1: Amen.
0: Uh, still in the, in the making. So I, I really want to thank you for coming on and, uh, Dave and, and sharing this incredible true crime story. I, it's absolutely fascinating, uh, disturbing, and, um, you know, I hope people really, um, and I know myself, I will help to promote it and get it in, get it into some hands of people that, that could do something about it.
1: Well, thank you, Pitbull Patty. That's, you know, we, we really need a pit bull right <laughs> sounds,
0: now that's, Sounds like at least you got one at your house, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. That, that helped me a lot. And I, and I think we, that's what we really need. We need, it, it's, it's time to turn that on and, and as a country and, and come together and say, you know what? Uh, we can do better at a school bus stop than what than what happened here.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Dave, and um, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch, and thanks for coming on the Pitbull Patty Show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I always love talking to you, and I'm a fan of your show. I love listening to it too, so thank oh. you very much for having me. All right. Well, thanks, Dave. Well, this
0: wraps up this episode of the Pitbull Patty Show, and uh, we'll see you next time.